Ever heard the phrase, road to ruin? Well, perhaps you've even been on it. We're going to turn down that road on today's episode. How do you do, friends? Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects like that one. We do this by using true life stories of real people. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. What's the one big decision you've made in your life that you wish you could take back? Well, the truth is each one of us is just one decision away from, well, changing our lives forever. Depending on the decision, it can put us on the road to ruin. That was the case with this woman named Georgia, and she's going to tell us all about it on this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Friends, life is about choices, as you know, and one bad decision can affect your life for a long time. Maybe it's a small decision, a bad decision, but a small, no-big-deal decision. But it's critical to understand that these seemingly no-big-deal decisions add up over time. They become habits. And these habits have a cumulative effect until one day you may find yourself doing something you never could have imagined at an earlier time. We're going to explore this gradual road to ruin in this week's episode. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we are going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter our sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize nonetheless, and I think it's a prize that you're really going to like, if we draw your name, of course. But first, let's get to the true testimony of a woman named Georgia. Hey. Hey, lady. What are you doing? Stop following me. Shut up. Look, I saw you cash your social security check around the corner. Yeah? So? Uh, what does that Give it. Give me the money. <gasps> oh, don't. Oh, please don't hurt. Ah! You cut me. I didn't cut you. You grabbed my knife. What were you thinking? Hey, what's going on out here? Mom, are you okay? She's bleeding. Get a towel and wrap her hand. She cut my hand with her knife. I did not. You shouldn't have grabbed it. Now give me the money and I'll go. You're not going anywhere. Let go of me. Drop the knife. I said let go. No way. I'm holding you for the cops. <laughs> What would possess a young woman with her whole life ahead of her to rob an old woman at knife point? Her actions might make more sense when we investigate the events that led up to it. Let's go back to the beginning in this classic true story of a woman we're calling Georgia, right now on Unshackled. My parents had six children, but only four of us survived. Me, my older sister, and my two older brothers. Around the time I turned five, we moved from our home in southern Arkansas to the big city of Chicago. Misfortune followed us no matter where we lived. Our home lacked any real affection. My mother beat us regularly, but she didn't seem to realize that her words did the most damage. 
I don't care what's in style. I do. All my friends... I don't care about your friends. No daughter of mine's going out in public wearing a miniskirt. It's not a miniskirt. You'll wear long dresses like a lady. Are you wearing makeup? No. You better not be. If I see any makeup on you, I'll tan your hide. Don't you give me that stupid look. If I let you have your way, you'll never be any good. I tried to follow the rules to avoid getting beaten. I soon learned that it didn't matter how I dressed. Bad people would still try to hurt me. When I was just 11 years old, I was sexually abused. I knew my mom would blame me if she found out. I had no one to turn to and no one to trust. A few years later, one summer night, I lost track of time and realized I broke my 8.30 curfew. I ran home to find my mother waiting for me at the door. Sorry I'm late. You better be sorry, you little slut. Mom, I Did you have fun sleeping around? I lost track of time. I ran all the way when I saw how late it was. Take off your clothes. What? I can't take off my clothes out here. Then go in the bathroom. I'll be there shortly. The bathroom tiles felt cold against my feet as I stood there waiting for my punishment. Half an hour went by, and then she showed up with a belt. I've given you some time to think about what it costs to disobey. Now I'm going to show you. Turn around. Mom, please. You'll understand someday. I'm doing this because I love you. No! Ow, Mom! Stop! Ow! Please! Mom, please! Did you ever hear about getting beaten within an inch of your life? That's what I got. Bloody welts covered my body. A flame of rebellion started to grow inside me. By the next day, I was ready for a showdown. You foolish girl. What did you say? I said, you better not put your hands on me again. Oh, you're a big girl now, huh? You just shut your mouth, you stupid brat. I am done being quiet. Next time you lay your hands on me, I'll call the police. You see this mark? I see it. So you better not touch me again. The threat of police stopped her from beating me again, but my scars remained, physical and emotional. My mom never hugged me or showed affection. She told me that she beat me because she loved me. That left me with the twisted idea that violence was the only way to show love. My mother always called me stupid and foolish. I never believed that. I knew I had potential, but I didn't apply myself in school. Not even enough to earn my diploma. At 17, I started smoking weed, or reefer, as we called it back in the 60s. I know that word was out of date even then, but that's what we called them. At 18, I thought I knew it all. I met a boy and thought, this is the one. Not long after we met, we got married. Guess what happened next? What? You're gonna be a daddy. Isn't that great? No, it's terrible. What's wrong with you anyway? What do you mean? How could you be so careless? Ow, you stupid- Stop it! Stupid idiot! My pregnancy triggered something brutal in him, and he started beating me just like my mother. From then on, the marriage went downhill. 
We started hanging out at bars, and he took me to some wild parties. So, what do you think of that party last night? I didn't know you were taking me to an orgy. First time, huh? <laughs> I noticed it took you a while to get into the spirit of things. It was disgusting. You didn't look disgusted. I had a feeling you were into girls. No, I'm not. I just wanted to make you happy. So I did what you told me to do. It did make me happy. How about we try it again next weekend? No way. That is the last time you take me to a filthy place like that. Seeing that my husband still wanted me to be a part of these activities after he knew how much I hated them showed me just how much he didn't respect me. I decided to leave him after our daughter was born, but I had a money problem. After two years, though, couldn't take it anymore. Don't tell me to stop! You've got no power over me! That's it. I am done with this marriage! Yeah, what are you gonna do for money, huh? I know you ran crying to the welfare office. Big help they were, huh? They said it would take me two months to process my paperwork. My baby would starve if I had to wait that long. Yeah, well, I guess you're stuck with me then. I'm the one bringing home the bacon. I had no high school diploma, no skills, and no connections. I only knew one way to make money, selling my body. Faced with a choice between that and staying with my husband, I chose prostitution. As for my baby girl, I left her with relatives. Then I met a new guy. He seemed like a step up from my last partner. How did you put up with that jerk for so long? Drinking and popping pills, I guess. I used to pop pills. The problem with them is, the more you take, the more you need to get high. I know. And they're not cheap, either. Good thing you met me. <laughs> I can show you how to get real high. Whoa. That's a needle. Does that bother you? Uh, kinda. <laughs> I've never done it before. Don't worry, babe. It's not as scary as it looks. Just one little pinprick, and then... <sighs> it's amazing. You'll love it. <sighs> All right, but just this once. Let me see your arm. I'll show you how to do it. That shot made me violently ill. But the next day, I went back for more. That time, instead of getting sick, I got very high. Then, the morning after, I felt a strange sensation. What do you mean you're not feeling well? I think I'm coming down with a cold. Or uh, a flu. <laughs> Three days and you're already hooked, Georgia baby. That can't be. I, I've only done it two or three times. You're hooked, and I'll prove it. Give me your arm, and I'll give you a flu shot. <laughs> he shot dope in my arm, and the cold went away. For the next two years, I shot up daily. As time passed, several of my drug friends overdosed and died. It scared me, but not enough to make me quit. Then I got a wake-up call. Georgia? Georgia, are you awake? Uh-huh. Georgia, it's a miracle you made it. We thought we were going to lose you. You're in the hospital, dear. Oh, just let me die, please. I have no friends. I can't take care of my daughter. I can't. I can't do it. No, that's not true that you don't have friends. That young lady who brought you here is a true friend. 
If she waited any longer, you would have died. That near-death experience failed to straighten me out. As soon as I left the hospital, I kept on shooting dope. I became an unrecognizable walking skeleton with dark circles under my eyes. As the cost of the drugs rose, I turned to crime to support my habit. At my lowest point, I followed an old woman who just cashed her social security check and held her up at knife point. A man named Dave stopped the crime and held me down. Good, the police are here. That'll teach you to steal from an old woman. Drop the knife, ma'am. Officer, careful when you cuff her. She's stronger than most men. You can't do this to me. It took six police officers to restrain me. When the adrenaline rush wore off, I knew I was in real trouble. But that trouble turned out to be the first step to a special kind of freedom. Folks, we'll get back to Georgia's story in just a moment, but first I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to Georgia's story. That day in 1977, after my foolish attempt to steal that old woman's social security payment, my life changed in a flash. Now I face charges of burglary, attempted extortion, aggravated battery, grand theft auto, and prostitution. My drug use didn't even come up in court. The judge sentenced me to four to 20 years behind bars. Holidays aren't quite the same when you're in prison, but my first Christmas brought something magical. Hey, what's that, Georgia? Oh, someone sent you a Christmas card. Yeah, how about that? I didn't expect to get one, especially not from this person. Who's this person? It's from the old woman I tried to rob. And her family. Are you kidding me? No, it's true. And they wrote a note here. Dear Georgia, we are all praying for you. Jesus can give you a new life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hmm. Then it says, look on the back of this card. We thought you might want to send your daughter a little present. Oh, I bet it's money. How much? 
A $10 bill. Of course, that's not really a lot. <laughs> it's more than I'd expect from some lady I tried to rob. That family sent cards and money every year. That humbled me a little, but not nearly enough to keep me from planning a prison escape. Can you see him? Shh. We don't want the guard looking this way. Georgia, uh, I don't know about this. Are you sure? It's now or never. It's snowing pretty hard out there. Maybe we should- You can't back out now. Okay, fine. Come on, follow me. Watch out for that card. Grab her! Did you have to knock her out? Well, she was screaming! Plus, you gave me the pipe. Quiet! Okay, now's our chance. Let's go. Run! Oh, it sure feels good to be on the outside. Speak for yourself, it's freezing out here. Well, you shouldn't have left your coat behind, dummy. Get down! Is that a cop car? Yes! You think they saw us? Yeah. This is gonna be bad. The police caught us, and the authorities extended my sentence by another six and a half to 20 years. But I only served five of those years before I got the opportunity for a parole board hearing. A few days before that, someone came to visit me, a man named Dave, the man who restrained me when I tried to steal his mother's social security cash at knife point. I want to tell you, Georgia, that I'm going to meet with the board and recommend that they grant you parole. All of us at home are praying for you. <laughs> I don't understand. Why are you being so kind to me after what I did to you? We're Christians. Our faith teaches us to forgive those who hurt us. The Lord Jesus expects it of us. Well, I'm not a Christian. We know. The Bible says, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. And already I can see that you've changed a lot since the day you were arrested. Some. At least I'm not doing drugs anymore. It's hard to believe, but I did receive parole. Five years is a pretty light sentence for all I did, especially after that escape attempt. Now, when you're in prison, you make a lot of promises to yourself about how you'll do better. But once you're outside, you find those promises are hard to keep. Just two months after my release, I went back to smoking weed. My old prostitute friends nagged me to go back into that business. Soon after that, my sister called and asked me to stay with her in Memphis. Instantly, I realized that she'd become a changed person. That annoyed me for some reason. And I tried as hard as I could to wear down her patience. Don't you get it? Sure, I get it. Why are you laughing? Dirty jokes and sexual humor just aren't funny to me anymore. Oh, come on. You really lost your sense of humor in the five years I've been in prison. Mm, no, I guess I'm more mature is all. Mature? Yeah, I feel joy from being at peace and spending time with the Lord. Here, let me show you something. Oh, no. The Bible? Really? Shh. Listen. Here it is. Remember this scripture. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace 
and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans fourteen seventeen. Right. Instead of telling jokes and watching funny movies, you'd rather sit and read your Bible. That must be real fun. Georgia, I noticed you've been smoking a lot. I heard you coughing this morning. Is everything okay? Sure, I'm just having fun. Here, I'll share with you. I'll blow you a face full of smoke. Oh, come on. Why don't you get mad or something? You don't react to anything. My sister and the people in her church had all been praying for me, along with my one-time victims in Chicago. I couldn't deny the results of their efforts. Even though I still drank and smoked and acted rebellious, I couldn't help but be curious about the whole forgiveness thing. It must be nice, I thought, to release negative feelings and embrace inner peace. Even though I'd been released on parole, I still felt imprisoned by my bitter feelings against my mother, my ex-husband, and everyone else who hurt me over the years. I wanted to know the joy that my sister spoke of. That's why I accepted her invitation to attend an evening service at her church. We've all hurt other people. Maybe we called someone a, a mean name or spread gossip that harmed their reputation. Maybe we've cheated in financial matters, or maybe we did something more serious, like cheating on a spouse, abusing a child, or even murder. Sometimes we can apologize to those we've harmed and try to make amends, but other times, those people might not want to hear from us, or can't hear from us because they've been so badly hurt. Remember this. Every time we hurt someone, we have also sinned against God, who created us. Why would God create a terrible person like me? The Bible says that we are all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God will forgive you. And he'll replace that empty hole in your heart with a sense of peace that comes only through serving him. That must be the peace my sister is always talking about. And that's why God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live as a human being on earth. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted by the evils of this world, yet he lived a perfect life. He sacrificed himself so that all mankind can be free, the freedom of eternal life. Hear me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So when people hurt us, we often hurt others. They might hurt us back or hurt someone else. Now listen to me, I'm inviting you to break that cycle. Instead of hurting other people, love them. Forgive them. That's what Jesus did. Find out for yourself the difference it will make in your life when you choose love over hate. Now if anyone would like to come forward, 
and pray with me or a member of our prayer team, I invite you to do so now. I'm going to go forward. Really? Yeah. I've seen the change that Christ has made in your life, and that's what I want for myself. Ah, oh, sis. I'm proud of you. Now go! <laughs> I trembled, weeping, as I approached the altar. I had no idea how to pray, but the pastor helped me. Do you want to be saved? Yes, but help me. I don't know how to pray. The Lord understands. Start with this. Father in heaven, I believe in your son, Jesus, and I confess my sins to you. I have a lot of sins to confess. Don't we all? You, Pastor? Yes, even me. But the Lord forgave me, and he'll forgive you too. A week later, I instinctively lit a cigarette. Then I thought, I have the Holy Spirit now, and the Lord can deliver me from anything. I crushed my box of cigarettes, and the Lord took away my desire for them. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In 1986, I married Don, a husband who shares my faith in Christ. The Lord has illuminated his purpose for our lives. I use my past experiences to minister to prisoners who have been in the dark place where I used to be. During one of my mission visits, the warden told me someone had been trying to reach me. Hello? Um, hello, is, is this Georgia? Jessica, is that really you? Uh, how could you tell? We haven't spoken since... You were a little girl. But a mother knows her own daughter. <laughs> wow, how did you find me? I heard that you've been witnessing at some of the prisons in town, so I asked around. Oh, honey. I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you. Mom, it... Can you ever forgive me for the terrible things I did? Mom, I forgive you. It's okay. Nobody can change the past, but, well, I'd like to work on a better future for both of us. That phone call started a wonderful reconciliation between the two of us. After the life I've led, nothing less than the grace of God could make my forgiveness possible. And now, I'm living my new eternal life in Christ. I thought I was beyond hope but I was wrong. No one is beyond hope. You are not beyond hope. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, it's easy to look at George's life and think, I would never do such a thing. Nobody wants to be that person. The guy who, who lost his marriage because of his secret porn addiction. The woman whose struggles include gossip shopping addiction, or alcoholism. It's tempting to think there's no way you could embezzle from your employer, cheat on your spouse, overspend your corporate budget, or keep taking pain meds after the pain stops. 
Most of us struggle to connect the small daily choices we are constantly making with the big differences we want to see in our lives. But the truth is, you are one decision away from changing your life forever. And the best decision you could ever make is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and living for Him. If you have been listening to our Unshackled Audio Drama podcast, you know that we have been answering questions from listeners. So if you have a question or comment for us here at the Unshackled Audio Drama podcast, something you may be curious about or want to share, you can write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Now, before we get on to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or uh, like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can also share it or even tell a friend. We would love for you to review, uh, rate our podcast, and we appreciate your input and encouragement. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. Okay, here's the prize for our upcoming sweepstakes contest a beautiful wooden scripture plaque. And I believe the scripture uh, on this particular plaque is Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And folks, this plaque is gorgeous, especially if you're looking for daily inspiration from scripture. You will love this authentic and very unique wooden plaque. Um, It's been sawn from a tree branch or a log, and it looks like it, and uh, and it's cut in such a way so as to keep as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. It's been handcrafted around the natural character and beauty of the wood that, uh, well, that God created. So all you have to do to enter our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or... Email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. The winner of this sweepstakes for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced on April 5th, but the deadline for entry is March 31st. And next time... Merry Christmas! Santa came! What happens before we open presents? Oh, the Jesus story! That's right. Do you want to read it, hon? Only if Mom promises to sing something first. Oh, oh, will you sing, Mommy? Yes, please. Come the fount of... When I was five years old, everything changed. I don't understand. Why does Dad want to be with... What's her name? Evelyn. Because he's picking her over us. No, he's picking her over me, not you. I didn't see my dad for a long time. We struggled financially. And then... Hello? Hi, son. Is your dad home? Larry? Who is it? It's a policeman! I'm so sorry to have to tell you this, but Alice Craddock has been in a car accident. God, please. Please don't let Mommy die. The true story of Brenda Franks. Another dramatization coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Georgia were Tina Glushenko, Lynn Weber, Demetrius Troy, Jane Hahnemann, David Brian Stewart, and Amanda Markeski. Original music and audio engineer Don Badorf. Sound effects Demetrius Troy. Recording engineer David Pierczynski. 
Script, Jack O'Dell and Chrissy Spallone. Well, that's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. 